Hey y'all, this is Ledge, and before we get to this episode, I want to tell you a quick story. I remember when we were contacted by one of the top video fitness apps in the United States, and they were doing a total rebuild, and they wanted to do that with our engineers. So we set that up, and we've been at it for two years with 10 different team members in every possible skill set from design to product management to scrum master to development. And it's been a really exciting journey where we are completely in charge of staffing that entire team for them. That's not a common scenario, but it just gives you an idea of the reach that we can bring to the table, you know, time and time again for mobile apps and for web apps and for design. And I think that's really one of the strengths of the huge bench of talent that we bring to the table. Now for our episode. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Matt, it is great to have you on. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate that, Ledge. It's, uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, looking forward to our conversation. I'm glad you're glad. Uh, if you don't mind, would you give a two or three minute, you know, kind of background story of of yourself and your work and uh, how you got here? Sure. Um, so the name is Matt Stone. I am a support professional. I've been in the business uh, for probably longer than I care to imagine. I started out with the uh, the British government, um, moved to uh, Citibank and AT&T. Uh, both of those were wide area network management, um, also managed services uh, at AT&T. Um, after that, went to NetApp, storage vendor, and uh, set up a lot of their um, outsourced support um, apparatus. Um, grew that to 650 engineers, five global locations. Um, in the uh, in the meantime, uh, we also set up different uh, support um, programs for different customer bases. Um, had a bit of a, a life change a couple of years ago and decided to move down into a slightly smaller company. Uh, went to a, a SaaS vendor, an ITSM vendor called Samanage, where I was able to uh, start building organizations um, and mentoring people. Uh, that's something that has been a consistent passion of mine throughout my, my career. Um, left there about uh, Six months ago, moved to a streaming metrics company called Signal FX, where um, I've been uh, growing out the global support organization to a 24-7 follow the sun model. Um, we have sites in Poland, in Australia, uh, a couple in the US on the east and west coast. Um, and generally, just bringing up the uh, standard of the support organization to meet our customers' needs. What are, I, you know, standards of support, you know, that's, that's an interesting way of you know, sort of, you think by the time a company gets to having a bunch of customers that they have support nailed. Now, I happen to know that having been um, reasonably in your seat, you know, with many, many customers and you know, building those organizations, that's not actually the case all the time. Uh, what does that leveling up, you know, look like and how does one know when one needs it? Um, well, I would sort of contend that it, it never stops. Mm -hmm. It's always something that is moving um, because if your business is growing, then your support needs are growing. So I'm, I'm always looking for the opportunity to improve something that uh, um, may not necessarily seem like it needs to be improved, but every change that we have, every piece of growth that we have is an opportunity to do something better. 
So I challenge my teams always to be in charge and take control and take ownership of, of their business. Um, I empower them to allow them to, to bring forward um, problems and, and solutions that will, you know, positively impact their customers. Um, really, the, the goal for me is to, is to have uh, a customer that says, yes, I'm satisfied. Um, obviously, there are um, customers that pay for support, uh, and that's great, and we give them a little extra. But at the end of the day, if any level of customer is not saying, yes, you fixed my problem and I'm happy about it, uh, then you're not delivering to the level of service. So that, that's really the goal is to always have a customer that will confirm that you've met their expectations. And you talk about mentoring and growing people and, you know, building organizations. Um, what what things have been important to you, you know, in, in that way? Uh, you know, because you've obviously done that very organically growing over the course of, of a career, large organization, small organization. Um Connect the dots for me, you know, success and satisfaction from a customer standpoint to those things being, I guess, the foundation and the base of how you achieve that. Is there a, a very clear through line? Um, I, to me, there is. Um, to me, customer success is based on on a couple of very important aspects obviously the product that you're supporting needs to be um you know good and strong and and providing what the customer needs from a technical perspective but from a support team perspective um i look at a team as as hiring the right individuals agreeing on what our success goals are agreeing on what their individual success criteria is and then empowering them to be successful. Um, I often tell my my uh, team at, at Signal FX if if I'm the most uh, technically competent person in the room, then they've done something wrong, or I have, because that's not how the team should work. The team is um, should work as a, a tiered, a layered organization that everybody contributes um, to the goal and. Uh, they know that if they have a, a barrier that they come across, if they have an escalation that they need help with, that I'm always there to support them. Um, but they're empowered to take the customer to the next level when it comes to uh, uh, customer success. Broadly so speaking, really good- what is what's empowerment there? I mean, what? How do you do it? You know, how do I think we all would say if we were filling out, you know, our own management checklist that I should empower and give autonomy. Uh, you know, what, what does that really look like? What are the actions necessary to, to build that? So uh, to me, the one of the most important things is is agreeing on success criteria. Mm-hmm. And to agree on success criteria, you have to agree on, on a goal. So I'll talk to either a, a manager or an engineer, and we'll talk about what it is they do for their daily job. And it can be something as simple as, as answering um, customer interactions. So they could come in by phone, by uh, support portal, by chat. Um, we'll look at what their workload is. We'll look at how they handle those cases. We'll look at how they're enabled from a uh, knowledge um perspective are do they have the correct level of training to be successful um, am I expecting them to do too much or too little work and we'll agree that this is what I expect from a, an operational standpoint and then we'll talk about quality 
So I expect a certain level of operational delivery and I expect a certain level of operational quality when it comes to dealing with customers. And obviously, customer satisfaction comes into that um, discussion as well. The next question I ask them once um, we've agreed on those criteria is, do you feel you have what you need to be able to meet those goals? And then that spurts, uh, spawns a, a, um, a discussion around the tooling. Um, I'm very keen on understanding from the engineers that use the tools what is working and what is not. Um, I set up forums to make sure that if they had feedback um, that can improve the tooling, that there's a, a, a direct path to be able to get that, um, that uh, uh, option exposed and then rewarded if it actually causes a uh, you know an improvement in the um in the way that we work a lot of the times just seeing an idea that you've had put into action and being listened to is is a reward but some of them you can go a little extra with uh, because they are so good they know what they're doing and i don't think people listen to the the people that actually do the work um, as much as they should when it comes to the type of tools that that are used by the frontline guys um, i mean i talk to customers but i talk to them you know, on an escalation basis. A lot of these guys talk to customers 10, 15, 20 times a day. So the, the, the velocity of the work that they do is completely different from my perspective. So in that case, why should I dictate to them what tools they use? I want to hear from them about how well they're working for them and how, how successful they can be with what we give them. What are some examples there? I mean, is it is it major changes or, you know, how... How do you pay attention to hundreds of people? Let's say, you know, I know your current org maybe isn't that big, but, you know, collecting feedback itself is a a rife problem. I don't know. There's so much detail, right? You know, like there's, there's so many things to listen to, like just in, in, in essence, you have hundreds of customers yourself and you're having to do this sort of abstracted customer management because you have internal customers that are your employees. You know, it's a very, I don't know, servant leadership kind of model there. How do you do it? How do you keep track of that such that each person at each level feels honored in that way? Um, so I've always looked at, at a, um, a management structure in that uh, the teams that I'm able to lead uh, don't work for me. I work for them. And I expect every manager that works for me to have the same opinion when they manage their teams. I'm going to hold them responsible for their team's um, behavior and their results, um, but they they need to understand that their success is based on the team's performance. So I want them to be listening to their teams, get close to their teams. So it, it's not just you know, follow this set of rules and it's going to work. Um, that That's one way of managing. I'm, I don't necessarily subscribe to that um i expect my my managers to be able to we have to be on the same page let's put it that way when it comes to how you you treat your employees and how you're seen by your employees being available to employees is a big deal to me um open door policy uh, you know always being able to bring up anything um I've always, I've always wanted to understand and know something non-work related about everybody that works directly for me. 
Um, it's not always possible. It hasn't always been possible. But um, the ability to have a non-work related conversation with somebody um, while you're at work builds a, a relationship. Um, so for me, it, it's it's not just about numbers and metrics when you're managing somebody. It's about building that relationship, giving them the the ability to uh, bring issues forward and and trust. There should be trust between managers and their employees and employees and their managers. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, the, the you made the comment that you, you can't really uh, service you know a hundred or so employees. Um, probably not, but you can do a good job on the twenty that really want to be engaged and and get focused on. So it's really knowing your employees and knowing what uh, their strengths and weaknesses are and knowing how to make the most of it. And you talked about trust, critical issue. I mean, I think everybody building a team is confronted ultimately with uh, having to let go, right? You just, you can't do everything anymore. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, delegation um, is a function just to, we have limited time and we need to figure out ways to um, leverage our time, you know, better, right? As, as we move up the leadership, you know, sort of chain. Um so I wonder, you know, like think about trust and also think about metrics and KPIs because uh, metrics and KPIs can be a really good motivating and performance tool. And they can also have the flipped effect of, you know, accidentally tracking the wrong things, overemphasizing things that ought not to be measured, you know, at all. Or, right. um, you know, how do you how do you choose those things effectively and and know that you're tracking the right numbers in the context of trust because you know maximum trust would say well i don't need to track anything i just know everybody's doing the right stuff um minimum trust would say you know all we do is track numbers and you know you're fired if you don't make your number but that could have problems too so where is that balance area for you so in my experience it's holistically knowing your your um case management flow. Um, I've never focused on one sole metric for, at an operational level um, because there, there are too many reasons why one metric could be up or down or missing. I mean, it's just, uh, it is too complex if you look at it um, in that very focused manner. The only, the only metric that I really um, do focus on to a larger extent is customer sat. And, um, that is something that can, once you uh, use it correctly to derive actions, um, it, it is very, very powerful. From a, an operational standpoint, um, like I said, holistic view of a range of metrics rather than focusing on just one and understanding the, the way that, that the trending in those metrics can affect your business. I mean, even if you bring in seasonal adjustment of, there's always seasonal flow when it comes to a support business. Certain times of the year are quieter than others, certain times are, are busier. Um, so, you, you know, there's no one size fits all in my view when it comes to managing a, a larger org or a high volume of, of work. You've got to understand what you're doing and, and what you want to get out of it so that you know which levers you can pull if you feel that there's something that, that is not working as it's, uh, as it's as designed. And also, you know, I'm not going to be the one that says, okay, I don't like that trend there, change this. 
we're part of a team for a reason. I want to make sure, unless it's something that has to be changed right now, no questions, no uh, no uh, chance of of uh, collaboration. Um, it, but typically, it's not that way. You can affect trends. You can impact trends. Um, I want the team engaged in understanding what the challenge is and how to, to address it. And not just the what, but the why. I want them to understand why we're doing it. Um, because then they can start using their own reasoning powers of what's a good choice and what's not a good choice. Um, and that can sometimes you know, give them the feeling uh, of empowerment more, that they have a, a, a grasp of the bigger business, that they can impact things outside of, of their own little, what might seem like a little job, um, and they can make a difference to other people. It, it strikes me when I hear you saying that, you know, the the why more than the the what and then taking that feedback you know maybe not just about tools i'm curious if you will present the what and say hey you know there's a trend here why don't you all come together and come back to me and tell me why you think that trend is happening is that part of the process um, so <laughs> you've actually hit on something that's uh, frustrated a lot of people I've, I've worked with over the years. If somebody brings me a problem, um, the first question I ask them is, how, how would you fix it? And nine times out of ten, they didn't say that initially because they didn't think they had the ability or capability to affect a fix. Also, nine times out of ten, what they know to be the, the solution is the solution. Um, mm. And I don't think, it, again, it's necessarily uh, – it's, it's allowed that those folks, at the, the sort of lower levels of the organization, are seen as having the capability of providing a solution. They, you know, it's, the perception I get is that, oh, well, all they do is provide problems. Well, they've got the solutions as well. You just have to ask them. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes me think essentially, you know, don't show up with a problem without showing up with some potential solutions. To, uh, is that ultimately what yeah. you're yeah. trying to get to? Then? Well, so, and that's, that's what this turns into once they've, they've yeah. come to me a few times. Um, they normally have had the, uh, an idea of what they want as a solution. And then we start talking about, okay, well, how can, how can we do it? How can we make it happen? Uh, rather than what do we have to make happen, and it's it's part of that mentoring and evolution thing that's fantastic to see when you have um, an individual that maybe uh, is is feeling um, unempowered and feeling like they're just being dragged along to start seeing leadership and uh, thought leadership. That that's to me that's the f most fantastic thing that I can see from a mentoring standpoint is somebody that decides that they want to be a thought leader. Um, within their peer group, uh, because that, that's that's tremendous job satisfaction for me. And again, Have not everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Have you had instances where the metrics were headed the right direction, and yet um, there was a sense or you know a feeling? that things were in fact not going the right way and there maybe was a missing metric or a missing uh, signal somewhere in the noise. I've talked to other leaders about that that sense that happens and it, it can come from anywhere and, and metrics can look great and 
six, seven people on the front line can be waving the flag saying things are not great. Uh, does that happen to you? And you, what do you do in those situations where I, I imagine that's the trust component, right? Like, well, I can't prove it, but it doesn't feel right. There, there have been a, uh, not so much in, in um, metrics as such, but more in um, more in the product development uh, side of things. Because what, what I've seen, let me give you a, a, a real example. So a NetApp, I was um, I was responsible for the um, hardware specialization, and we were using a lot of spinning disk at the time, and the uh, um, the team was involved in uh, disk recovery. They were involved in RAID recovery. So they saw a lot of these types of um, uh, issues where disks would not, not go bad, but get degraded. And um, I can think of at least three instances where because they had come together as a team and saw, well, I've seen that type of disk that's been degraded due to this. And I've got that the same type of disk that's been degraded. So it was more of a, a chronic type of analysis that they were doing as a team and, and collaboration that threw up, yeah, we had a we had a, a product defect that had to be addressed and it was related to a particular um, series of disks over a certain manufacturing run. Um, that was raised up because they were talking to each other. They were... Mm-hmm. Um, swapping stories about what they were doing and how they were doing and and it was the the collaboration aspect that allowed us to spot trends like that um that i'm not really sure how long it would have taken to really understand something like that if it weren't for that particular group of individuals working in the way that they did so not necessarily a metric but um Mm -hmm. but a a chronic analysis that uh, was done because of the way that the team worked together and you could see that, I'm sure, in product as well in um, culture and, and team-related things, that there's no way to measure how people feel right. except by asking and, and talking about it. And uh, and that that process can really uh, get in front of and erase bad assumptions or bad habits or yes. um, maybe individuals that are kind of, you know, bringing down the ship. So well, it, I'm sure it, you've it, seen that a lot. It, absolutely. And it makes the the whole way that you run a, an organization simpler because people start mm-hmm. looking out for each other rather mm-hmm. than saying, oh, well, it's the manager's problem to deal with. It's not my problem. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's part of the ownership and the, um, the, the ownership of the business, the ownership of the team, the pride in the team. Um, that seems to promote people to uh, to do that more and more. So yeah, it, there is nothing better than a, a well functioning team that that communicates and collaborates. It's a, it's a joy to see. <laughs> I can sense you really did get a lot of joy out of that. So that's it's nice to see the passion. So. I, I, it's it's what makes this worthwhile. I mean, I don't like being yelled at by customers. So you know, <laughs> there, there's a little bit of uh, selfish self-preservation there. So the, having a team that works that well uh, prevents those types of uh, blow-ups. So, yeah. Well, if there aren't multiple benefits, then why do you, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I've got the lightning round for you here. All oh, right, cool. this, is, this is critically important. Okay, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same team. Uh, uh, what are you reading right now? Um, what am I reading right now? You know what? I'm actually not reading. Well, Domo um, how-to guides. 
Which is Domo is a presentation tool that I'm using to. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. That's right. that's a really boring answer. Sorry, I, I don't have anything better. Hey, you know, you know, you can't always. Uh, you gotta just use your time as you see fit, right? <laughs> <laughs> what can't you live without? Golf. <laughs> it's my stress relief. It's my get away from everything. A lot of people give answers about. Uh, health, you know, in that, in that, that I think that's a, that's a high self-actualization, you know, Mental uh, health. people say their iPhone and I think that's not a healthy answer. So maybe it's much I, if I could detach myself from that, like, even though I know I can't, <laughs> I'd be happy. <laughs> so you might answer this already, but what was the last thing you Googled for work? Uh, Domo how to videos. <laughs> <laughs> and I, what you're, you're talking about the presentation tool, which I believe that Domo is, if I can remember correctly, is a, Metrics, dashboards, um, it, some kind of yeah. It aggregates different. Tool, right? uh, yeah. It aggregates different data streams to be able to uh, provide really cool um, views to manage visualizations and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, cool. So I, I would even go so far as you Google before that that you you know, need to make better presentations of uh, the success of the team to to management. Hey, a good business case that looks good gets me the stuff I need to grow. It's all it's all that, that, tied absolutely. together. A big lesson there. I love that. Okay, so I don't know if you're a, a fan of The Office, and um, I am talking about the U.S. office, not the U.K. office, but yeah. So, okay. Um, but maybe you've watched it, maybe you haven't. But there's a there's a classic episode where where Jim is uh, as usual messing with Dwight, and um, he sends Dwight faxes from future Dwight, and he says the coffee is poison and things like that. But uh, it, it always gets me thinking. Is I'd like to ask people. If I gave you one sheet of paper and a Sharpie and asked you to send a fax back to yourself 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the period doesn't matter. What would you write on that? Don't sweat the small stuff. Focus on the big, uh, the big rocks and, and let the uh, small stuff uh, take care of itself. Great um, insight. Yeah, that, uh, that would definitely have saved me a lot of uh, perspiration over the last 10 years. <laughs> Well played, well played. Well, Matt, thanks for being a good sport. Thanks for coming on. I totally appreciate the the insights. I, I know that the engineers, product people, executives, you know, sort of in the mix here, um, they all need to do these things, you know. So it is by no means limited to the support function. And I'm glad that you shared it. Well, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to share. As you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty uh, passionate and geeky about stuff like this. So uh, I... Uh... It's great to be able to put it out there and uh, let people know about it. So I appreciate it, Ledge. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.